Hey everybody, welcome to the Dead Jester Productions podcast, episode number 214. I'm your host, Josh or Jay Moskers, joined this week by special guest, uh, Ellipses Mark or Hal Parks, author of World of Demihumans, Freshman Orientation. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you stopping by. 214 episodes. That's impressive, man. 214. We've been uh, grinding out. Uh, it's been a it's been a fun ride. 214 episodes of this podcast. I uh, I know I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, but I know talking to people that come on, I've probably done a little over a thousand episodes of podcasts over four and a half shows, if you want to call it that. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, you'd think I'd be more famous by now just from sheer volume, <laughs> but I guess. I I guess that's what happens, though. It's like uh, people that upload a YouTube video every day but get no views. That's a a slightly more upsetting version. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've I did that for a little while. Yeah, it's uh, something like that. It's a saturated market, you know. I I tell people literally every day, you know, you have to do something to to stand out. And uh, I mean, peel back the curtain a little bit. What I'm not, what I'm doing here is not revolutionary sitting down and, and talking to people. Um, but I enjoy doing it. So that's why I've continued on. I used to yeah. be, used to be more focused. Some of our previous shows were gaming or this is like 10, 11 years ago, I guess now, uh, where they're more gaming oriented and like news centered. And I'd be sitting there, uh, just, I just finished high school and I, so I had like free time and it was like summer, the summer after I graduated and I was like, all right, well, I've got all day, I'm not in school anymore, summer break. And I would just sit there and research all of the trends going on, all the newest uh, news surrounding gaming. And uh, we would literally do a weekly podcast where it was just the breaking news. And then we do daily, like two minute videos on like what's currently happening that would help promote the upcoming episode. And uh, that was a lot of fun, but I don't have as much time anymore <laughs> to yeah. research all day, every day on top of two jobs. <laughs> yeah. I certainly wish I would have, uh, back, back in my high school, I wish I would have, uh, devoted more time to my craft. But, uh, in truth, I've only recently discovered like my inherent talent for writing. That's something about the, the book that I wrote. It, it's when I go through it, I can tell that a lot of it is just like my pure talent and I still have a lot of learning to do in terms of writing that I hope to, you know, grow and perfect, but it's got to yeah, start somewhere. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it, one of the things I, I deal with on a not daily basis, but frequently with smaller content creators is them wanting to build up their audience very quickly. And what's one of the questions I get a lot is, what's the best uh, setup I can have for like recording videos or podcast, whatever. And I'm like, well, you, you don't need the best right out of the gate. Like if, if I sit down and I immediately spend a thousand dollars on like an audio setup for the podcast, that's not going to make my podcast successful. It, you know, it's, you're just yeah. a, a, not, not saying people are bad, but like, that's like, you're a bad podcaster with a great setup. It doesn't sell your podcast. Like, build up an audience and don't invest a ton of money into something if you're not sure it's going to succeed 
immediately like especially with small content creators a lot of them do it as a hobby they don't have the expendable income to to spend on a lot of this stuff i mean i've i have a nice setup but i've invested money over time and i've worked my ass off to uh to be able to afford what i have but it's the same sort of thing with building up your uh your skill set as a any in anything whether it be podcasting video production or in your case like writing yeah you know, uh no the thing that's the thing uh, my my personal philosophy about the the quality of work that one does is that all all the um I'm a professional writer now and I can't think of any of the words that I need. The quality of your work comes from one of two things. Your innate talent or your studied skill. Mm. And you know skill is like you put the time and the investment, you learn, you practice, and talent is just that that natural something that's in you, you know. Like you know how they talk about how there's people who like can't put a picture in their mind like their whole, okay. like their their mind is just, uh, it's just blank with words. And then there's people who can't like think with an inner dialogue and stuff like that. I find that strange. Like it, like, not calling the people strange, but it's it's bizarre for me to think. Like I can't imagine not having yeah. an internal monologue or just anything going on in my head. Like, it, how do you think? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but there's there's people who like have this inherent ability to just think of an image and then create it through their hands. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's talent. Uh, And this is the same thing for physical stuff. You know, there's people who can uh, pick up a basketball, pick up a baseball, you know, kick a soccer ball and just be naturally good at it. And there's other people who have to work and train at it. And in our modern world, I feel like people need more and more talent to just even try to be successful. Cause it used to be, you could just put the hard work in and you know, you could make it, but I don't know if it's like that anymore. Yeah. That's kind of a, that's kind of a depressing thought to think. Uh, Part of it too, I think comes down to financials. Uh, Yeah. Away from writing because I don't know as much about like the back end of that as far as like getting things published in like a, a mainstream way. But I know with like sports, for example, like you just pay to, to have the best tutor and like coach help. <laughs> like if you're a parent, at least like you pay the best people to train your kid and you pay to get them in the best leagues. Like I'm more familiar with football or uh, soccer rather. Yeah. Don't want to offend people in the U S. Um, but like, it's a rich white person sport at a certain point. Like you wouldn't expect it. Cause it's like, it's just a ball and two nets. Right. But it's like thousands of dollars a year. If you want to actually give it a real go. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, mild correction. There are three sources of work of okay. quality, skill, talent, and money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It Like, it, like you said, it's, you have to, if you want to be successful at a certain point, you have to be talented, right? Like you can't stumble your way backwards into wild success, being completely incompetent in most areas. Some people do it uh, and they've yeah. made it uh, in any field, whether it be 
politics or technology or like business yeah. in the general sense of it. But it is what it is. Um, so you mentioned you're fairly new to like stumbling across your, your talent for writing. How did you get into it? Like what made you decide I'm going to sit down and attempt this or get into this as a hobby? Well, actually, I've always been a creative person. I've always loved story crafting and you know, storytelling and like studying stories, doing analysis and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, when I got out of high school, I went right into the workforce. You know, I started working jobs. But when COVID hit, things got a little wild and chaotic there. And eventually things kind of fell through and I wasn't able to get like a job right away. And so I thought, you know what? I had this idea that I that I wanted to make that was inspired by um, just all these different authors and writers that I've been reading. And I said, all right, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do some writing. And at first it was it was really difficult to try and keep my focus. Uh, and that's because I realized that I've, I actually have ADHD, you know, mm-hmm. and it just kind of made it really hard. So I went and got medicated for that. And with that, I was, I was doing great. I was able to write 2000, 3000 up to 5,000 words a day, you know, which is quite a lot. <laughs> Wait, why am I saying? I'm at 5,000 words a week across a whole week. I'm <laughs> mixing memories up. But I was doing, you know, one to 2,000 words a day, going through <laughs> editing, you know, revisiting things. And at first, I didn't know how I wanted to really start off the start off the book. Because I want because I wanted to be the first of a huge series, like a whole mm-hmm. a whole world. And after a while I figured, okay, instead of trying to create this one story around these one characters and then kind of like have these flat analysis of these different characters, I decided to make it like a series of short stories. And so okay. so the book itself, it's actually 28 individual stories that are all kind of linked together or, you know, reference one another. Mm-hmm. And it's all based around the uh, class J of the freshman year of West Progress High. Yeah. Nice. I going back to what you said about like how to, like you weren't sure how to start it. I find that to be incredibly difficult at times because you can't just have like the world start existing the second you start writing. Right. Yeah. It's like, Oh, here it is. Everything is just magically starting up. These people now exist. Like one of the the things I've done, like I, I've written a number of like little short stories essentially based on uh, personal experiences and then like fictional ones. And the, for the fictional ones, it's I'm like, all right, what's what's the setting? What's all this? And then I just start it right in the middle. I'm like, that way I don't have to worry about the beginning. <laughs> like, I know what's going on, yeah. but I don't know exactly how to start up. I'm like, all right, let's move forward a little bit. All right, this is the starting point. 
it's like a checkpoint in a video game where it's like, all right, checkpoint, that's where we're starting it. Yeah, and, I, and I've done stuff like that, you know, in the book. I sit there, I'm like, all right, I just, I just need a general idea of what to do. All right, they're going to do this. All right, so that's the general idea of what I want to have. Now, how did they actually get there? Oh, wait, this is a, it's easy. Just do it like this. Like, um, like chapter 26, I believe, which is Missouri, Virginia. Hmm. Hang on, let me get my, my, uh, because I remember all my characters. I just can't remember their order. 25, Hmm. Missouri, Virginia hunting trip. Uh, the story I wanted was like, what do I want to have? I want them to be out in the woods fighting some sort of threat. Yeah. Well, why are they out there? Okay. Um, they're on a hunting trip. Why are they on a hunting trip? Oh, because Naziri's mother wants to teach the ancient ways of hunting of, uh, of, of like African hunting style because they have their, their, uh, African pride and stuff like that. And also these other characters are here because she wanted to invite her friends along because, you know, they want to share their culture and all that. Mm-hmm. So that's now they're in the woods and all of a sudden a bear attacks and now they have to try and fight a bear uh, who, by the way, is actually an intelligent creature actively trying to hunt them down for <laughs> for personal reasons. Don't want to give too much of a spoiler. <laughs> it really yeah. is one of the the better chapters. Nice. I was gonna say that's a, a good way you're providing exposition without having to sit there and just spell it out. You know, one, just, you know, just one piece at a time. You know, laying it out in the most basic sense. It's you're filling it in based on context and allowing the story to tell itself, as opposed to forcibly telling it and feeding it to the audience. Yeah. That was a there's a short story I'd written two, maybe three years ago. Well, it's, geez, it's 2024. About four years ago, I guess. <laughs> Time flies by. Uh and it it's uh like a in my mind it's like a post apocalyptic world, but that's never yeah. really explained in the in the story. Um it's very short. It's just it picks up where, where you have uh, uh five people in the woods with like survival gear they've got a couple of weapons just the bare bones survival style equipment a couple of uh, like guns and rifles and whatever and they're they're just hiking through the woods they stumble across this small little like military outpost and some things happen and then it's over and there's no backstory other than the characters talking amongst themselves of like um you know like yeah. Can you believe how we this isn't an actual line, but like can you believe how we got here? Like that sort of stuff where yeah. you're using the dialogue to fill in the backstory without it seeming ham-handed and it's explaining their situation without having to literally walk you through step by step how they got there. And I don't remember how many words it was that it was I don't know 25 30 pages total and uh but yeah, it was a, it was a neat, tidy little short story that I had written. I was I was very pleased with it because it was, it it came easily. I was just like, this is, I have this the the idea. Talent. It was it was very easy to just put it on. It was easy to formulate the idea. Putting it on the page was slightly different because I'm like, how do I 
provide the details yeah. necessary. But oh, I know what you mean. It was yeah, it was one of those things where it doesn't need to be overly complicated like some of the other things I work on, where I put way too much time and effort into the things that aren't necessary details wise, uh, which which bogs me down. But yeah, sometimes writing short stories is a great way to feed the uh, feed your mind uh, further ideas and just let you vent a little bit. If you have like writer's block, it's like, all right, I can't concentrate on this anymore. Let me just come up with something completely random, not related to anything else. Write it down. I've got that out of the way. You know, one of the ways my mind works is like I when I was in, in middle school, I did a lot of writing and I wrote a book that was about 100. When I say pages, I mean, like in my notebook, like my yeah. line notebook, it was like 150, 160 pages or something. I think I have it on the shelf behind me in a binder still. And I just sat down like over summer break and wrote that. And it was one of those things where like at, at the start of it, I got like two pages in. It would take me like a, a day to get like two pages written down. Yep. And then I wrote the rest of it in like a week on a vacation. <laughs> and it's just, it was one of those things. It's, that's just how I work. You know, once, once I'm invested in it and really get started, it just flows, which is convenient to say the least. <laughs> yeah. That's my general style myself. You know, I'll sit there and I'll think like, how, like, what, what do I want to do? Is there something like in the world I can explore? What can, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it just clicks in place and I just sit there and I just, I just spew it out and then kind of shift through it to make sure. But it's always, it's difficult to try and balance detail versus clutter, you know, Mm. Cause like you can over explain things and then you can under explain yeah. things. <laughs> if you start over explaining some things and under explaining some th- other things, it kind of mm-hmm. inconsistent. Yeah. We, I, I, the, the last episode actually that it's not out yet. The last episode we recorded, it's not out yet as of the time of this recording, uh, mm-hmm. was an, a, a different author. And, uh, I talked to him as I have with a couple of other people on the show about, one of my projects where it's just, I, I haven't written the story. I know what the story is going to be, the, the general outline of it, Yeah. but I've invested so much time in the world building that I have, I've just spent all my time and effort into that as opposed to the plot. <laughs> yep. And that's sort of like getting bogged down in the details. But I, I think in the end, and it'll that's... help out because it makes the world feel real and lived in. Um, but it does not help my progress as far as completing the plot line. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that was the bind I found myself in as I, you know, struggled to figure out what I wanted to do before I decided to do the the short story collection. Mm-hmm. That way I could just introduce all the characters individually, you know. Yeah. While also like giving them um uh what do you call it when it's like extra supplementary, supplementary oh, introductions yeah, yeah. and other chapters and all that. Like uh like the one, there's one character, XK88, XK88 Scott. Uh, his deal is that he's a robot. Uh, legal term is android, which means artificial person. Yeah. And he's like the first android to ever be confirmed to be born with an artificial soul. Oh, interesting. Okay. Right? Interesting. Yeah. He's kind of based off of like pop star culture. 
like Elvis Presley mixed with okay. um okay. Yeah. a rock star, pop star, all that stuff. <laughs> and so he's really flamboyant and stuff like that. And the first time he has a real introduction is in um chapter seven, I believe. He's chapter nineteen, so he's a he's a while mm-hmm. back. But he shows up in chapter seven with uh, Alice, who's having this whole crisis of identity. And he shows up as like, Alice, my favorite person. Oh, what happened in class? You know? Mm-hmm. And Alice is like, oh, Melissa started something. Melissa's another character. Yeah. And he's like, oh, don't say anything else. I know exactly what you're talking about. She is impossible. Okay, now give me all the details. Wait, you just said don't tell you anymore. You know, don't tell you anything else. He's like, and now I'm saying tell me more. Come on, <laughs> keep up. You know, and he's just, I really like writing him. He's really fun, but he's just really flamboyant. And and uh, I reintroduced that in his chapter, Capture the Flag, where the class is having a field day where they go out and basically PE class, mm-hmm. but it's like a whole sporting event kind of thing where they have to go into the backwoods of the of the school because the school has like this giant wooded area because <laughs> anime logic <laughs> and it's like all right you're gonna go through the woods you're gonna go to these other campsites you're gonna take their flag by force if necessary <laughs> and you're gonna bring it back and he just goes through the woods the whole time just being this this source of uh, infinite charisma. You know, I have uh, two, yeah, two different fight scenes in that uh, chapter. I got, a, I got a lot of fight scenes throughout the chapters. I really, fight scenes are something that I really enjoy writing. I tell you what, they can be interesting. Like it, it's very. I feel like it's very easy to make them sound. Uh, cheesy I don't, I don't know the right word to describe it when i was a kid writing it was i just wasn't good at writing combat in general where it's like oh they did this then they did this then they did this you know it just it just sounds dumb sometimes when i when and i was that, writing back then it's very easy to mess it up and that really was when i first started writing because when i my first my first dip into writing was actually going to the writing prop Reddit. Do you know that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And just going through it and going through it. And it's like, I want to create worlds. I want to create stories in this world to kind of flesh it out. Mm-hmm. And I would just see things. And I'll see something of like, um, let me think of one, which one it was. It was two, uh, you've been summoned. These people have been summoned to a science building and it's infected by giant spiders. I don't remember, but that was, I created Agent Danforth and Agent Cass, who show up in the book, they're in one chapter, Uh, and, you know, it's this whole scenario of, Danforth shows up, he needs a new partner, then they get summoned, or he meets Cass, and then they get summoned, and then they start going into the building, they start exploring, and it's this real mystery and I'm really setting up suspense and giving hints of details and talking about the weapons they use and all that stuff. Like I'm doing all this exposition. I'm doing all this banter. I'm doing all this, all this, uh, 
world building, character development, you know, mm-hmm. going from scene to scene, and then the action starts, and I did not know what to do. Yeah. Like I didn't know. Uh I I didn't really know how to explain that like because Dan four things is that he has like fire magic that he can just summon at will. Agent Cass is a, a magical girl from like Sailor Moon, which <laughs> it's, it's hard. I mean, like even like if like our podcast descriptions uh, are fantasy themed, and there's combat scenes in a couple of them, and even there, I'm like. Well, it's even more complicated because I'm like, how do I fit this into a podcast description? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> while making it like compelling, and it's a it's a struggle. I'm still not great at writing combat because it's not really my, it's not really a focus on a lot of what I write. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting because, like I said, like if you're having a fist fight, it's like, all right, yeah. he threw a right punch, then he ducked and threw a left punch, then he stepped back and threw a right. It's like, all right, well, that sounds terrible, you know, like just. It's just bland. Like you have to and, spice it up a bit. Yeah, I'd be happy to give a live reading if you want to hear one. Sure. But uh, but uh, <clears throat> in a moment, but yeah, but yeah, I was laughing because I remembered all the stuff with uh, all the funny stuff about Cass's magic stuff and just so. But yeah, oh, uh, I think in that writing prompt, I'd have to go and shift through Reddit. I think it was like, I don't. Uh, sorry, I don't know how to really do right fight scenes. And then I go to write the main book and it's like, I wanted to do a fight scene real quick mm-hmm. and it just, it just felt, it just fell out of my hands. Like it just fell out of my hands and onto the page and I'm looking at it. I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's good. Like that was do you typically like physically right. Are you typing a lot? Typing? I'm typing. Okay. But you know, it's all. I was just curious. I, I'm, I was curious how people uh, put their mind to a page figuratively because like i said i i take a ton of notes and it's physical like i have notebooks all over my desk here that i i tidy up and then push back under the monitor stand uh just a pile of notebooks (laughs) and just notes and sticky notes and all sorts of crap and then i compile it all into a text document on the computer essentially uh but i can yeah it's I can imagine there's people out there who are even worse than I am, where it's just spreadsheets of data. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got spreadsheets. I'll tell you what, because I yeah. got 28 characters. I have like, but well, I was going to say like, I should probably organize mine in a better way. Cause part of like, of my problem then is keeping track of where Ooh. characters are at different points in time. And that, that way everything lines up correctly. Timeline wise. And so it's yeah. like, I have, I mean, I have a map. It's essentially like an interactive map that I use where it's the world that it's set in. And I just, the characters do this. And it's like, all right, well, at the same time, these characters do this. And I just move around their dots. And then I have it set at specific intervals, like during the time period. It's like, all right, this time period, I click on it. All right, this is where all the characters are at this time. And click at a different time. All right, now they're all here. And it helps me keep track and make it make sense. Otherwise, it's like, all right, this character did this. Oh crap! This character needs to do all this now and catch up. Doesn't make any sense that they'd be there at this point in time. They've just been hanging out here for years for no reason. Yeah, it's like a yeah, and I've had it's like an it's like an MMO, but the you haven't played it in a in a long time, so your guys just hanging out and everyone else has moved the base, and you're just your character just stuck in limbo. Yeah, freaking log on like oh we need we need our legendary old friend to come. 
He logs <laughs> in. I, the level 100 warlock, have returned to... Where's the base? <laughs> it's just in a swamp. And it's like, oh, Max yeah. Max level's we 250 are... now. You gotta catch up. Come on. Yeah, that too. <laughs> You're screwed. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it can be overly complicated at times and just uh, overwhelming, I, I think is a better way of, of explaining it. But it's just a lot. It's like I said, I don't have a ton of plot filled out yet for for some of the things. Um, but I, I'm almost I am treating it almost like a like video game design to an extent where figuring out the map, figuring out like routines for yeah. characters. Like when you're building a video game, you know you your characters have specific paths that they'll follow, like a routine. Like I like I'll use Skyrim as an example because that's similar to like the theme of like what I write. Yeah. Where it's like, all right, this this is a vendor. They wake up at this time, they go to their, their shop, they go over here and talk to this character, they go to the bar, and then they go back home and sleep. You know, and it's it's similar to that for a lot of the characters uh, that I come up with, and I have to plot it all out so that when I fill in the actual story and have the main characters come through, it, it all makes sense and feels real. Yeah, all that stuff of, like, well, who they are, what they do, and how they were going to react to... To not only you know different situations, but different situations or like the same situation at different times, you know. Yeah. Like if you go in there and like shopkeep, I need a potion, and it's like high noon. It's like, oh, okay, sure, these are the standard hours. <clears throat> but if you go in there at midnight, it's like shopkeep, I need a potion. It's like, could this really not have waited? Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know? It all it all goes into like I said I. I feel like depending on the style of writing, you can get away with not doing that as well, for sure. It's just unnecessary. But I'm very detailed and meticulous about the way I approach things. So it... Yeah, because that's another thing. It, it wouldn't make sense. Because that's another thing. It's like you could also have those details tell a lot about the story. You know, like... Precisely. You, go in, yeah. you go in there at midnight and he's like, I need a potion. And the guy's like, okay, yeah, come on in. This is... This is perfectly acceptable in my mind. Middle of the night, you know, strange person shows up asking for wares. This, what does this say about my character? You know, yeah, yeah, and like part of it too. Like, and people are gonna hate me because I literally brought some of this up in the last episode. But part of it too is like the region of the world that they're in. Like, it doesn't make sense for them to sell certain things. Like, if they're in a very swampy region or something, like. Oh, we don't have this particular product. Or, for example, like people by the coast are going to have a lot of fish for sale because it's a yeah. coastal region, and it makes sense that they'd have that for sale as opposed to beef or something like of that nature, you know. And so, like working that into the the story isn't important, but it it adds that little layer of realism to it, where it's like, oh, okay, the characters show up and they buy fish. How are they going to prepare the fish? You know. And it, it's very minute, but in my mind, like I said, this is a personal preference for me. It's not like a end all be all thing, but for in my, like in my preference, like it makes it feel more realistic. Like you don't, you might not even notice it when you're reading it, but it's like, yeah, the characters come here, they purchase from fish from the local vendor and they return to their camp and, you know, cook it up over the fire. doesn't make any difference plot wise, but it just adds that little bit of reality to it yeah you wouldn't have if they went to the shop and bought food <laughs> but it is what it is like i said it's it's unnecessary in a lot of cases but 
I, I like it in my writing. Yeah, I get that, you know. You know, um, as someone who puts a lot of D&D, you know, it's, sometimes it's like you want to put a little detail in there and other times, you know, the details don't matter because they just want to move along with the, the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, but, oh, speaking of D&D, and you mentioned that you, you play a lot of the... What were your... What kind of inspirations do you go back to when you're writing? Like, maybe we'll use the book as an example. Like, I know you said you're like into anime and things like that. Anime right. logic with the big forest yeah. behind the school. Like, what were some of your inspirations in writing? Ah, oh, geez. What wasn't an inspiration for my writing? Oh. The Crusades, you know, maybe? Maybe they weren't an inspiration? I don't know. Well, Could I mean, <laughs> the thing is, so the thing is that in my world, all of like the myths of humanity, so like the Greek gods, the Norse gods, the Egyptian gods, fairies, demons, the jinn of uh, Islamic mythology, and uh, you know all the things about what what one could call Christian mythology. I don't want to offend anyone, but you know the stories that we tell each other about our history and our culture and our people and stuff like that. It's all true. It's all real. They all exist in like throughout the universe. Monster, nice. <laughs> yeah, and also there's more. So mm-hmm. you have characters who are uh, like half fairy, so they have fairy ancestry and human ancestry. Half demon. There are demigods. Uh, a, a demi titan. One of my characters is, is is the son of Atlas, which is. Oh, I love that. I love writing him. Benjamin Benjamin Brick Butler, son of Atlas. And then there's also like X-Men mutants. So there's this human beings who have mutations that give them superpowers. Hmm. And another source of power is divinity. So like there is a god in a heaven uh, with angels and stuff like that who watch over the world. And sometimes they just give people superpowers. So, yeah, the Crusades is something that I call upon for inspiration of, like, how I want to do something sometimes, you know, but also modern stuff like My Hero Academia and Ruby and, you know, Percy Jackson, you know, little Harry Potter. Harry Potter actually isn't that strong of an influence for me. Yeah. but only because it's it's a very basic like world to live in. Very good story, I think, though. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, Which, it, that uh, was one of the things I was I struggled with in, in some of my writing was the religion of the world. Like I said, a lot a lot of my short stories are all based in the same universe. That's why I kind of mm-hmm. always it always seems to feed back to the same place because it is. Um, but you know, one of the hardest things was coming up with like a religion for the world and there's like conflicting ones just like in in the real world yeah you know there are different religions for different regions and backgrounds and things like that and uh like implementing like ancient civilizations and artifacts and things like that for people to fall back on to support their religious arguments and it was hard because i didn't know how to present it like did i actually my my issue at the time was do i make it like magical like like do i make the religion real and magical like oh people can actually talk to the gods and like literally speak to them and provide and be provided you know magical abilities or do i make it 
more muted and it's just like are the gods real or are they not like like what's the deal here like sort of thing and it's i'm still figuring that out to an extent to be fair but it's yeah. it's weird because it on it's one a- hand like i do like the idea of like i'm not a religious person myself but like i do like the idea of like in the world they're like yeah they're the gods are real and they can have a tangible effect on the world but they're not they're not putting their fingers in everything if that makes sense it's like you have to seek them out to uh to really find any evidence of them people you know worship them and whatever but there's never any response for the most part but yeah well that's the thing that when you write like divine beings mm-hmm. first of all if you live in a world of magic where people can it can become very overpowered very quickly especially if in, if you involve godly powers <laughs> yeah but it's also you gotta think of like the gods are also people with like mm-hmm. you know thoughts and feelings you know yeah. and I think if anyone ever wants to write godly characters that are like immortal and all powerful and stuff mm-hmm. like that um and they need to ask and they need to justify well why do the gods do the things they do in some parts and yeah. the other parts like why why would a god ever care about regular people you know because mm-hmm. they're a god they're infinite they're so much grander than mere mortals um uh are you are you familiar with the planet mars are you familiar with the rover called Curiosity that we sent up there? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Are you fam- did you know the story of like on the first year that it was up there, the people at NASA figured out a way to make Curiosity sing happy birthday to itself. Mhm. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Do you remember the story of when curiosity finally shut down because like the, the moon ro- or the planet rotated in a way that they didn't think it was going to be able to come back online. And they said the final message curiosity said was it's getting dark. Hmm. There are so many people and I'm one of them who were just struck so emotionally by those stories of a piece of metal and plastic that is objectively an object singing happy birthday and facing possible mortality, despite the fact that it is not conscious that affected people emotionally. A God is going to care about regular people. They don't have to be on equal footing. Human beings have deep emotional connections to random stuff. It is not a far-fetched idea to think that a god could do the same for humans. It's actually it's actually fascinating. I I, I do agree with like the the god side of thing. You, I was I was letting you finish your point. It's fascinating to me, like the. Uh, the Mars Rover story. Yeah. Uh, and it, it cycles back to people not fact checking their information or like, yeah, that's that like wildfire. The, uh, cause I think the, the final <laughs> for, um, my, my battery is low and it's getting dark. 
Yeah. I remember it specifically because the guy that it was a tweet, he sent that out and uh, people took that as like, that was the last message. And then a bunch of news outlets took hold of that and sent that out. But this the funny thing is the (laughs) Rover doesn't send like actual text. Yeah. It was just, it was just data and he was providing it as like a poetic version of it. He's I think his word was like, the message is the data set basically says like my battery is low and it's getting dark but people translated it to oh the rover said those as its last words and uh i, I remember that being the thing at the time yeah and all the me people too. Like, oh, it's a sentient robot i was like no that's unfortunate <laughs> it's cool like it it yeah I I know. It, it's, it's, it's neat it's so dumb and so stupid it's like there's no there's no sense to it whatsoever but i'm still crying <laughs> it's it's interesting like it makes you think of uh what was that robot movie the wally yeah i gotta think of the right one yeah where it's like that like that's what you like in my mind that's how i view like the the rovers and things like that and the different satellites we send out into space they're essentially less sentient versions of wally right did you hear about like, God. go ahead did you hear about voyager possibly i i know i saw it in the news but i can't remember everything where we're potentially we're potentially losing uh, contact with voyager one or voyager two one of them oh okay yeah voyager one yeah Yeah, i can't remember what it was it's something like they have an object in space yeah so we're 15 billion miles away i think it takes a full day just I can't, I can't wonder, and I can't help but wonder, like, what the scientists are thinking as, you know, they send the message and all they can do is wait a full day to see if something. Yeah. <laughs> Just some guy sends, accidentally clicks enter before they're finished, like, ah, crap. All right, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's. It's fascinating. Like I, I, I'm fascinated by like space and the cosmos, if you want to call it that. Like yeah. it, I, I find it very interesting. At the same time, some of it is just so much more complicated than my education allows me to understand. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I'm just sitting here like, explain it to me in stupid person speak. <laughs> Uh, I remember that reminds me of some. Uh, apparently, there's a a space nebula out there that's like, if we go and if we were to go and like grab it, it would taste like uh, strawberry schnapps or something like that. Interesting. <laughs> it is like it, it's a a billion 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 gallons of strawberry schnapps just sitting out there in space. Uh, the galaxy center tastes of raspberries and smells of rum. Why does space like taste like a raspberry cocktail? Interesting. Sagittarius B2. It is said to smell like rum and taste like raspberries. Interesting. I'd never heard of that, actually. Yeah. Apparently, it uh, tastes like uh, beaver glands. Is it beavers? (laughs) I think it's beavers. Uh, The anal glands of beavers are used to make raspberry flavored Oh, I thought it was vanilla. I should, maybe it's both. I'm almost positive I'm, it is. 
Uh, hold on. Now this is this is the kind of information we need to provide in this show. Yeah, this is this is the hard hitting analysis that people come for. Uh, scientists use compounds extracted from a gland in a beavers. They they use the word tush to help create <laughs> strawberry and raspberry flavorings or enhance vanilla substitutes. So yeah, it is vanilla okay. as well as strawberry and raspberries. How did they find that out? <laughs> Who's sitting there eating beaver anal glands? Like, you know what? This reminds me of some some strawberries and raspberries. You have to remember that throughout all of human history, yeah. stupid children have always existed. And I'm they've sorry. been out in the woods. <laughs> and sometimes they grow up and remember that, hey, remember that one time we got Cousin Josh the take? To lick that beaver ass. Remember what he said? Oh. Yeah, it's it's uh it's upsetting at times to think about <laughs> how how many of man's advancements come from people doing horrific things. <laughs> oh geez, a lot of scientific uh advancements yeah. came completely by accident, you know. Oh yeah. Like I'm, I've made the joke of a, uh, you know, in in sci-fi movies, we always have the the story of like, oh, the scientist has made this mistake, they made an accident, and now they've doomed the world, and everyone's mm-hmm. gonna die and suffer. In reality, it's oh no, I've made a huge mistake, and I found the cure for polio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Jeez, what what penicillin was discovered by accident? Yeah. Sweeteners were discovered by accident. Microwaves, creative yeah. accident. Huh. You know they were working on military technology, and <laughs> someone had a chocolate bar in their uh, pocket. Yeah, and just <laughs> yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, that being said, you have to hope they don't come up with too big of an accident on the like uh, like the CERN collider and things like that. It's like, yeah. oh, we accidentally discovered how to make supermassive black holes. <laughs> Actually, oh. That being I said, don't... no one will ever know. <laughs> That's being, that being said, um, I remember looking into it. Uh, they've have they've created black holes. They've created, yeah. you know, like actual, like everyone's like, oh, they're going to make a black hole and it's going to suck the whole earth in and all that. And it's like, no, they've made black holes. They did exactly mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's what happened. And the black hole was immediately torn apart by the Earth's own gravity. Because the thing is, is that to form a black hole, if the if a black hole was going to suck up the Earth, it would have to already be on par with the Earth itself. Because you, you can't just... Because like people don't know that if you somehow manage through some sort of science magic to get like a million suns around a black hole, you could tear the black hole apart with all that gravitational pull. It's just that, you know, it would be impossible due to Hmm. everything. But yeah. That's not one of the things we need to fear. (laughs) I think most of it revolves, revolves around like quantum black holes that are unbelievably small um yeah i don't know it's too high of a level of science for me to explain in any smart sense because i don't understand it (laughs) 
let's get back down to the brass tacks. So, yes. the yes. animals. Anime. <laughs> uh. Oh, yeah, like, anime has always been a big inspiration. The, you know, My Hero Academia is one of the things that, you know, motivated me to, you know, write, get into writing more, you know, because I like that story so much. Um, another big inspiration that I had that really shaped a lot of my works was the works of Drew Hage. Uh, do you know who that is? I do not. Drew Hage? I think that's... Uh, Drew... Yeah, I think... He wrote uh, a whole a whole bunch of series that I write. He wrote the, the Super Powered series, which is about... Uh, a college for superheroes, which inspired oh. me. He wrote the Fred the Vampire Accountant series, which is about uh, this guy who becomes a vampire and proceeds to live his regular boring life of being an accountant, and then starts getting sucked into like the supernatural world through his accounting work, and it's like wild and crazy. And they talk about how like how society is held together through power and respect and. You know, that shaped a lot of how I figured my world worked. He made, oh, uh, he made like some, you know, the light RPG genre that, is, that mm -hmm. has cropped up recently. He yeah. made some books that were like that. You know, I, I didn't get deep into those, but yeah, he's, he's a professional writer and I hope to, I hope to be on his, uh, on his level one day. Step one for me is publishing anything. <laughs> yeah. Not even having it be successful, just publishing anything. Just, just to do it. Nah. I'm too picky. I'm always like, I need to go back and fix this before I do anything with it. And then I, and that's don't. what I did. I finally went and I just, you know, I've, I've went and published my thing on Amazon. So maybe I could get some traction and make a few bucks off of it. And, Mm -hmm. You know, try to revigorate my writing spirit because after writing it all out and also producing an audiobook to go with it, by the way. Nice. That and that was some real tedious work, I tell you what. <laughs> I put a lot of time and energy into that. It's, and there's a lot that can go into audiobooks. Uh depending on how many people are involved as well. If it's just one person, it's still a ton of work because Yeah. You have you have to be emphatic about it to an extent where you have to be ha have energy otherwise it's just somebody reading a book you know yes i tell you and what vocal <laughs> work is is wildly important my the characters and, and so on and so forth and, my audiobook is 17 and a half hours long <laughs> and you have to think like up to half of that or like that's half of what was recorded you know yeah. So you're talking about days and days of work. It took months to to get it done, and I uploaded it. To, I uploaded it to my YouTube channel. Um, mm. I guess uh, we can have a link to that to the free Oops, audio book. Yeah. yeah. Uh. So I, I'll get just break I'll get it down you. by by story. I think. On your yeah, by chapter. Yep. So 28, I, think I said that wrong. Yeah, I meant by chapter. Yeah. yeah, so 28 videos, you know, 
And you can and y'all can it can be read in any order, really. You don't have to read it in a particular order. And some chapters are definitely better than others. You know, like it's to the point of where I wish I wish I would have gone back and rewrote a few chapters, but hmm. you know, perfect is the enemy of good. <laughs> so I published it and you know it's available on Amazon for two ninety nine. If it sounds interesting, oh, you can also read it free with Kindle Direct. Yeah. Any support is appreciated, I tell you what. Yeah, yeah it it's work the, I work in marketing for a living. And it even if somebody has a brilliant idea, it is unbelievably difficult to get attention to it in a very, yeah. very meaningful way. Um, just because every industry is overly saturated. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've worked with people who call themselves serial entrepreneurs, which means, hey, this is a business that is booming right now. Let's try and get in this and just make money. They have no passion for it, you know, but they, they want to capitalize on the a booming industry. Like AI, for example, right now is oh. inundated with upstart companies just trying to cash in on a fad. And uh, yeah, it's like writing... Writing less so, I guess, because it's so established. But I mean, anyone that has an interest in writing and wants to publish a book can, right? You know, so it's yeah. it's how do you stand out? How do you market yourself? Um, it, I, uh, my area of expertise is more content creation side of things, uh, as far as the marketing of of content. And I always tell people like it's it's incredibly hard. Like think of how many people have a YouTube channel. Think of how many people invest a lot of time and effort into a YouTube channel. You, yeah. know, you have to beat all of them that are in the, you know, even if it's a different genre of content, they're still on the exact same website as you. You have to beat them out, you know, and it's, and it's depressing. It's unbelievably oversaturated and uh, it, it can be incredibly difficult. Even, even it's even more frustrating when, I work with companies that I'm just hired to help them manage their, their YouTube channel and like their social media and stuff where there's no passion going into it at all. It's just, Hey, we want to use these platforms as a means to drum up business and I'll upload a video for them. I'll like, I'll create it, edit it, upload it. And it does well. And I'm just like, damn it. That's time and effort. I could have put it into making a video for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, 500,000 views, huh? That sucks. I would have liked to have a quarter of that on my channel that I haven't uploaded to in months. <laughs> I would like to have a tenth of that. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's annoying, but yeah, it's it's a lot of work. Like people don't realize how much effort goes into just building up a following and maintaining it and managing it and growing it. Like you have to just be and, constantly focusing on it. And what it is, it's a lot of people nowadays see it as their only source of real success hmm. because just the regular economy is just so beaten down and, you know, yeah. sucked dry of everything. Yeah. I mean, look what happened during the, the COVID lockdowns, uh, particularly in the U S like you see Twitch, you know, the number of people streaming on Twitch suddenly explodes. Uh, podcasts blew up immensely. Only yeah. fans took off like that style of yeah yeah fans uh whatever i don't i can't even name another like similar platform but like uh, a fansly i think is one 
uh, like that, that type of stuff, like that exploded because people were like, oh, I'm locked down. How do I make money? Oh, I see. This is a thing that's popular now. That's easy. I'll just do whatever in my, my house. It's like the the entry, the level of entry, the barrier of entry rather is uh, next to nothing. I just need a camera and an internet connection. And uh, people took advantage of that and it, it skyrocketed. And, yep. Uh, but I mean, the... The social decline has been coming, going along for a while now, especially with and with AI being developed like the mm-hmm. way it is, you know, like all the all the stuff around AI art and stuff like that, you know. And it, people overestimate how you not how useful it is, but people overestimate the ability of others to use AI. Yeah, in general, AI is used in such a basic way. Um, I mean, look at Google, for example, people don't know how to use Google properly. They type in yeah. like, how do I do this? It's like, okay, but you're just getting all the results for that. Like people don't know how to, how to use the built-in dialogue for, for Google and the Boolean code and things like that and oh, yeah. get specific searches. And it's the same thing with AI. You know, people don't know how to ask questions correctly to get the most specific complex answer. And, the thing uh, is, is that you only need a few people who really do know it in order to mm-hmm. really for, shake for up. Sure. Cause see, it, I, it's, I just think it's blown out of proportion immensely. Cause I mean, people will talk about like, I mean, art, the example you gave was AI generated art. And for sure that, that is, that is one that it is taking over very quickly. Um, uh, part of the problem with that is, uh, and uh, any professional industry using this, is going to find themselves in hot water yeah. at some point because it's copyrighted. They like it, we're just at the point right now where they have the industry hasn't caught up to be able to hold them accountable for stolen content. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, I've, you've seen that with writing where people are putting out AI written books and immediately it's like, all right, we need to take this down. We're suing you. You stole our work. And they're like, well, no, the AI wrote it. And it's like, yeah, where do you think it pulls it from? Yeah, and you know, you industries are going to catch up to a certain point, and at the same time, the AI is going to advance as well. Um, I know there's concerns about AI putting people out of jobs, and it's definitely going to happen. We've already seen that happening in a lot of industries, um, but at the same time, AI isn't creative; it's just compiling data and then regenerating it. You know, I don't know if I've explained that perfectly, but it it can't create something from scratch necessarily like people can. It doesn't have inspiration like people do. But the thing is, and, you know, it's a spark of hope of like, you know, there's no real creativity. There's no real innovation. There's no real inspiration in the works of AI art. But at the end of the day, if it's entertaining, if it captures people's attention and it keeps their eyes on the screen long enough for them to see an advertisement, mm-hmm. well, that does, doesn't right. matter. Yeah, You're definitely right. It's businesses balancing out the risk reward where it's like, do we just eat the lawsuits because it's making us enough money otherwise? And yeah, and- you can definitely see that happening as well. I mean, even in my personal experience dealing with businesses, utilizing AI to like write 
content for their websites and generate images and you can tell because it just sounds like crap it doesn't really well i mean it gets the point across but you can just just the phrases that it uses the way it words things it just it doesn't read like a human being wrote it and it's off-putting to customers at times ai generated artwork yes it can look good but only in certain aspects like it doesn't have certain things down it's getting better at making people yeah yeah but even that like at a certain point it's like okay it's yes you can use that but then it's like all right can you like how well does this function how viable is this long term in many aspects it it is highly effective don't get me wrong i'm not trying to say or pretend like ai is not highly effective in a lot of areas um but you still like for these businesses you still have to have people there that know how to use it properly and effectively and efficiently and there's not enough people yet that do that that are mm-hmm. willing to sacrifice their job in the long term to, to do yeah. that so well we'll see we'll see what happens i think you're definitely right in that it it is going to uh you know, at least in the creative side of things, kind of cut out a lot think, of potential employment. I think the only real solution for the way things are going is that we as a society, as a species, as a whatever, just put our foot down and say, no, we don't You've want... kind of seen that with the writer's strike, the Actors Guild strike. Yeah. Because I know that and, was, I mean, that's a big thing, especially with Disney and in particular was getting the rights to people's voices and image likenesses and being able to use them forever, which is in my opinion, insanity. Like, no, no, like you you can't, I mean, they've, they, who did they do that? I forget who they did it. Oh, it was, um, Superman, uh, Christopher Reeves, which I didn't even see the movie. I forget what movie it was in. I don't know, but I, I just know that was the thing that popped up where they, they had Christopher Reeves as Superman in, in one of their films as like a very like couple second cameo or something. And there was a bit of a yeah bit of flack for that and bringing back people who are deceased. And it's like, eh, it seems kind of immoral, if not illegal. Who knows? Who, I don't know. Absolutely. But yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, worrying, but you know, in, in my work, as people think. In my work, I did not use any AI. I did all the writing myself. I did all the reading myself. Uh, the artwork. I have artwork, actually, for all the characters. You know, and I use them as the profile pics for all the videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had those commissioned by a real artist. Nice. Yeah, I paid, paid a good bit for it, too. Art can be expensive. I've, I've had a yeah. number of different projects created. I mean, I worked with art. I work with artists all the time. Uh, for different whether it's logos uh video creation things like that i i've hired artists to do posters for our company and uh it depends on what you're using it for but yeah it can be expensive like posters in particular if you're reselling art, it's uh you have to build that into the pricing and negotiate that with the artist and uh i definitely paid <laughs> definitely paid for it <laughs> it was ex- if you want to, if you want all of the rights to the artwork and re- to be able to resell it, you definitely pay for that upfront. Yeah. Um, if, unless you're doing some residuals or something like that, but I do the upfront payment, and uh, it's it's not cheap. But 
yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. There's a, there's a lot that goes into, well, books, but just creative in general, uh, that people don't realize like YouTube again, more up my wheelhouse of, all right, what do I need? All right, let's get a video. How do I record that? You need the recording software or the camera audio. It's like, do we record that in, you know, ourselves or is this coming from just yeah, all yeah. the different aspects of it, the thumbnails, the tags, keywords, descriptions, all of this, all the little things you wouldn't consider as like an outsider to it. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. Same thing with, with books. I imagine just, Oh yeah. The writing process, the editing process, the artwork, the marketing yeah. surrounding it, trying to, that's how it is with, um, that's how it is with uh, all the real industries, you know, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you just turn on the TV and you see the, the latest episode of whatever, you know, yeah. and it's like, you don't understand how much work goes into each individual aspect of that show. Yeah. You know? yeah, it's, it can be fascinating peeling back the curtain on a lot of those sorts of things. Um, even like video games, for example, I, f- I always feel bad whenever I see a video game come out and it just gets absolutely roasted. And I'm like, I feel bad. Like a lot of oh, people yeah. gave it their best effort and it's like terrible. Then again, you have some games like uh, the day before, which came out a couple months ago. Yeah, it was. yeah, I remember. I don't that. know if it was twenty twenty four or twenty twenty three. I don't remember what it actually uh, came out, but uh, yeah, the literally a scam. You know, I feel bad for the people involved. It seems like they were getting scammed as well. The, the actual the uh, like software people, the people developing the game, they weren't getting paid. They were literally being fined by the developers, uh, like the. Game did the I I'm messing up my description. The people in charge essentially were finding yeah. them for not meeting deadlines, and it's like, all right, so the people working on this not only did not get paid, they lost money because they had to pay fines for it. And meanwhile, the people in charge knew it was a scam the entire time. It's like, huh? I feel bad for the people that tried putting their heart and soul into this, but I definitely don't feel bad for the people in charge who uh, who were you know pulling the rug out from under people the entire time. And that's what I was talking about earlier, about how, you know, the modern industry is so beaten down and broken down and, you know, Mm -hmm. sucked out of every because it's it's down to a science at this point. Like, how do we maximize profit? Like, how do we just streamline this to pull every penny out of it that we can? And, you know, the thing is, is that you can't just maximize the profit. The profit has to be greater than the profit of last time, Mm -hmm. you know. Like the way I say, like if they make ten million dollars in profit, and then they make twenty million dollars in profit next year, and then they make thirty million dollars in profit the year after that, and then on the fourth year they make twenty million dollars in profit, yeah. In their opinion, they lost, even though they. If you make ten one year, twenty next, and then twenty the next year, you didn't lose any money. But even that, it's like, oh, this is terrible. We need to cut costs. It's like. Jesus, it's like, all right, you know, how how sustainable is this? I work directly with business owners all the time, and it is upsetting at a certain point. Like, I get it from a business perspective, not the, like, constantly improving on things, but, like, I understand, like, managing things to make it profitable. But the the dialect around it is is disgusting to me at times where you don't view it as employees. They're viewed as... Not, or they're not viewed as people like the employees aren't viewed as people they're viewed as 
assets. dollar amounts, numbers. It's like, all right, how much are we spending on this person? Okay, uh, how do we feed that into the, you know, cost of the product and so on? And so it's like, it is literally just numbers. And I'm like, yeah, but they're people. Can we can we view them as people and not a cost? <laughs> you know, it's I don't know. It sucks because I've, you know, I have a business. I've hired people. You know, it, I don't view them as, as just numbers. I obviously I pay attention to the cost involved, but I don't sit here and be like, all right, uh, this is an editor. This is how much the editor costs moving on. Like just putting it into a spreadsheet. It's like, no, it's like how, you know, do I want to overwork the editor? No. Do I want him to be comfortable? Make sure I'm paying him what he thinks is a fair wage and what I think is a fair wage. Come yeah. to an agreement on it. Of course. It's like, I want everyone involved to be happy. I don't want to sit here and just treat it. Like it's numbers on a, on a spreadsheet. But maybe that's why I'm not that, a wildly successful business person. I mean, you say that, but unironically, because the thing is, is like all these pe- people don't really, all these people who are large and in charge of all this stuff is they, you know, like all these video game uh, corporations. They call decisions. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. Sometimes. But the, the thing yeah. is, is that the people in charge of like Bethesda and all these different companies, they don't have background in game design. They don't know how games are made. They just see the numbers and to them, it's all about making a bigger number. Hmm. Yeah. And in the way, I guess they're the ultimate gamer. There's a, one of the things I talk about with some of the people I've, I've worked with is some people's hobbies are writing or you know, make like making videos, whatever. And then some people's hobbies are making money. Like that's their hobby is making money. And that is a game to them. Like you were saying, essentially. Yeah. Where it's just like, you know, business simulator essentially, but it's real life. And uh, you're just sim sitting the whole thing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not for me. Like I, I don't mind running business, but yeah, I also don't treat it like, like I said, numbers in a spreadsheet and treat people like they're people. And I try to keep everyone happy as best I can while not actively screwing myself and anyone else over, which I think is a fair way to look at it from my perspective. You know, I can't self-sabotage yeah. just to make everyone happy. I think that's an unintelligent yeah. thing to do, but yeah, at the same yeah. time doing what I can to keep people happy. It's hard. Yeah. yeah I mean, there, there have been times where I've had to let people go and be like, Hey, listen, you know, I appreciate what we've done, but it's just not, it doesn't make sense for me to keep paying you to continue doing this because it's not even remotely profitable. Um, we had a, this isn't for dentist productions, uh, like for our channel, but we had hired an editor for a YouTube channel and the, I, I kind of knew going in, I told the, the, the guy running, I was like, listen, your channel's not really profitable yet uh like they were making money but they yeah. were paying to have it paid essentially and they hired an editor like oh this will save us time it'll free us up to make more content and and do more work and it should increase profits i was like that's how you feel like i don't i didn't know anything about their their back end side of things as far as their their whole yeah. channel is based around them creating uh products i don't want to dox them too much here but uh so like the more videos they make, the the more time they get freed up, the more time they have to spend 
creating the products and filming it. All right. So they're like, hire the editor. I was like, cool, got it. Hire the editor. And then they essentially just spent that extra time not editing. They didn't spend any extra time creating products and filming. They just had more free time now. And so naturally they did nothing happened. Like they didn't grow because of it. Uh, their videos looked better and they got a couple more views, but it did, they didn't do anything with that free time, like the, which was the entire premise. And, uh, so after a while, like obviously they, they weren't profitable. And so they said, all right, well, we can't afford to keep the editor and we, we cut them loose. And I, I felt bad about it. I was like, the guy did a great job, but it was a bad business decision uh, because they didn't take advantage of the opportunity they had. Yeah. And that is sad. Cause you know, I mean, the, the idea of having more free time in itself could have been, could have been the objective, but if it wasn't, if, if it wasn't uh you know paying for itself yeah yeah they they just seem to think that you know it would their their content would just naturally explode in popularity just because it existed they weren't they uh they they didn't care yeah. to put in the effort like i i mean people hire me to help them grow their channels but I explained to them, like, I'm not going to sit here and do it all for you. Like, I'll help. I'll set things up for you. I'll walk you through it. But I'm not interested in sitting here and doing the work for people. Like, that's like, I'll, like I said, like, I'll, I'll set up Google campaigns for them to help advertise. I'll show them, like, I'll help them, like, you know, set up their YouTube channel, like, explain to them, like, here's how you set up your tags and your keyword descriptions properly to make it more effective. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and just spend hours of my time doing that for all of your content every time you upload. Like it's, I don't want to do that. And I, I'm fortunate enough that I can choose not to, <laughs> you know, I don't, yeah. I don't need the money that bad. And, you know, like I said, it's like, if they're not willing to put an effort on their end, you know, that's on them. Like it, it, you're, you're not going to become popular just because you should be, if that makes sense. It's like, oh, oh I no. think I should be popular. Here's my content. Now make me popular. No, that <laughs> just, just isn't how it works. I know um, exactly what you mean. Yeah. I mean, I don't work with them anymore, but I try and at least stay somewhat professional and not sit here and call them out by name and shit talk them. But yeah, it, it's not, if you're not going to treat it seriously enough, then I'm not going to either. I'm going to call it off and be like, all right, it's on you now. Like I, I, I don't want to work with people that aren't going to take it as seriously as I am. Cause it, to me, it's, it is my business. You know, I rely on my time, investing my time wisely to, you know, build myself up. So who knows? I've rambled long enough. Uh, <laughs> nah, you are right. You are right. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, we're a little over an hour here. I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on real quick before we, uh, wrap up here. Hmm. Uh, you wanted that live reading? Oh yeah, if you want, yeah, we can we can plug this in here. I don't know how long it's gonna take. <clears throat> All right, so this is from the chapter nineteen, Capture the Flag with XK eighty eight. The scene is that they're in the woods playing Capture the Flag with the, the other students, and the cast is currently XK eighty eight, who is the android. Uh, Vladimir Ivanov, who is a space alien, 
from from uh, from Russian, or he's a space alien uh, who who crash landed in Russia two hundred years ago, and so they have a very Russian culture. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Valentine, who for the purpose of this is practically mundane, <laughs> which means that they're not a demi human. Mm-hmm. That's the. But by the way, that's the thing. Like you got demi humans who are like all these characters, and then you got mundane people who are just regular people. So. <clears throat> let me let me position my screen. <clears throat> they headed deep into the woods while sticking to the wo- <clears throat> sorry while sticking to the well-worn paths. The paths were cut into the woods by the years of use, but still curved and twisted by the bulk of trees and shrubs. In the distance, the sound of battles echoed through the forest. We're going up against Class F. They have really strong people, Sarah said as they turned another bin. And don't count Class I out either. They might be at the bottom of the barrel like us, but they're not pushovers either, Vlad said. But Class F has actual other beings, like that fairy girl Mercedes. That doesn't matter, Sarah. XK stopped his pace and turned around. Just because someone is full other doesn't make them stronger than than someone half other like us by default. Have more confidence. Indeed. A sweet voice came from above. The trio turned their vision to the source and saw the person they were talking about. Mercedes drifted down slightly and pulled back on a bow as an arrow formed in her hand. It's the years of practice and training that make me stronger by default. She unleashed the arrow, sending it flying directly into the ground between them, causing a mass of vines to sprout with unnatural speed. The vines quickly grabbed them, but XK and Vlad's strength and speed allowed them to escape. Sarah, struggle as she did, was not able to get free before the vines wrapped her, wrapped her legs, locking her in place. She screamed for help as Mercedes notched another arrow. Vlad, cut her loose! I'll get Miss Butterfly! XK ordered as he reached into his mind where all of his different functions were lined up. And by turning a one into... And by turning a zero into a one, he started the flux core in his chest. Glowing with energy that now flowed through him, XK morphed his forearm into a cannon and blasted an energy beam at Mercedes who in turn dodged with grace, firing another arrow. It landed in the ground and summoned another wave of vines that provided no challenge as XK leaped to another part of the path. The path was wide enough to allow mobility, but only just. If XK wanted a good chance of beating Mercedes, he would need to maneuver into a more open area. He remembered that that there was a clearing not not much further down the path. It was the perfect place to engage with Mercedes and her nature magic. Looking over, she, looking over, he saw Vlad had freed Sarah and was figuring out what to do next. Vlad, showtime! XK yelled before summoning another wave of flux energy. But instead of an attack, XK simply released the energy around him, causing a, causing a bright explosion that boomed out. Mercedes was stunned by the flashbang, and XA took the time to direct Vlad, not to the path, but to the thicket of the woods, Sarah on his back. I could keep going if you want, but... Awesome. 
I I don't want to spoil everything, but uh, nice. Yeah, no, no. I I appreciate the way that you uh, you go about it, enunciating the characters and giving them character, character and personality in the way that you uh, perform it. Yeah, uh, we, we mentioned that earlier in the episode where audiobooks take a lot more effort than people realize. Oh yes, and, uh, it's I've never done it myself personally. I've had a number of guests on the show that do voiceover work in audiobooks. And uh, yeah, I, I imagine it's exhausting. <laughs> it is. It really, really is. Uh, I, I'd be, there'd be times in the recording, I'd sit there and just be listening to myself. And then I finish the scene and I just hear the most. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, come on, pass me. Have some, have a, <laughs> And there's times I've actually sat there and talked to myself through the through my recordings. <laughs> yes. it, yeah, but um, I do that sometimes on the uh, solo episodes. Every once in a while, I have to do a solo episode because it just doesn't work out properly. And you can't tell in the final recordings, but for those episodes, it's usually about like two hours, two and a half hours long sometimes, yeah. because it's just me sitting here like getting my thoughts in order, and I'll be like, ah, shit, let me hold on, let me redo this. And I don't feel like stopping the recording and redoing it. So I just, I pause like, all right, let me do this again. All right. Yeah. I'm and done I start that. back up and that's just cutting it all out. It's me going like, all right, let me look this up. Hold on. And I'm just, I, what it's essentially me leaving notes for myself when I go to edit and I'll be like, all right, let me look this up. Okay. I've got it. Let's go. And then I start like redoing it. It's just actively leaving notes for myself while I'm, while I'm doing it. And I can imagine it can be the same way with audiobooks. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, the note I want to point is that in the scene, it's pointed out that XK knows there's a, a better place to fight, mm-hmm. like back down the path. But instead of doing that, he runs deeper into the woods. And that's because he knows that he knows that they know they, they that he knows that the situation and believes there's an ambush at the mm-hmm. clearing, which there is. So nice. the next scene is literally them discussing that, but I just wanted everyone to, in case there was some confusion. You are the second guest to give a live performance on the show. I'll point out the first one. I didn't realize was going to happen. I didn't, well, to be fair, I didn't plan on you giving a live reading the show either, which I'm, I'm very happy you did. Uh, the first one was a, a musical guest who in the middle of the show is like, oh yeah, I can like play the song if you want. I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be fine. And then just started. <laughs> I was like, oh, just just like that. Okay. Yep. But no, it's it's awesome. I, mean, I, I like the the added flair to the episode that we get out of that. And it, I think it's it's entertaining for the audience to listen to. But yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um yeah, we're where can people go to uh to check out your book? Anything else you got going on? Uh Right now, I'm trying to get, you know, get my life back in order because, you know, like I said, it was a really big investment. So I got to try and get my finances in order. And uh, uh, you, the dear audience can help with that if you want me to continue my greater writing career. <laughs> but yeah, it's available on Amazon, uh, $2.99 USD. Also available with the uh, Kindle Direct. 
and the audiobook is available free on YouTube. And that's broken down chapter by chapter. Chapter by chapter. Yeah. Awesome. Again, it's World of Demi-Humans Freshman Orientation. We'll have links to it in the description. Nothing to worry about. Um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on, man. It was, it was a great time. I really enjoyed talking. Uh, I always I always enjoy talking to authors and just people who enjoy writing and yeah. are in the creative side of things. Uh, it, I feel like I have a lot of similar experience, if not on the publishing side of things, but just dealing with a lot of the same issues of writer's block or trying to figure out how to manage the workload and, and figure out how to actually get the content out in front of people. And uh, yeah. I really enjoy talking to people about it. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about your experience with it and, and sharing your, your ideas and, and all the things about that. I thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and if you yeah. want me to come back, you know, I can always. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I, me- I don't remember if I mentioned it live in the last episode of the podcast while we were recording, but I'm in the process of trying to reschedule all of the guests from previous episodes. Uh, granted, not all of them have been invited back, <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, yeah, like just going back and like getting people to come back on has been a, a focus point for me because I like following up with people and we've had a number of guests on that did particularly well as far as like the audience saying like, oh, it was a cool episode or whatever. And uh, I like having that follow up of like, let's get guests back. I've, I yeah. enjoy meeting new people and having new guests on. I mean, you're a perfect example of that. And uh, just being able to to get guests back on to follow up and I think it provides us an opportunity to uh, discuss things that maybe didn't come up on the episode. Like obviously we spent a lot of time talking about like the inspirations and uh, the oh, book yeah. in particular, but I, like, I like the idea of taking that second opportunity to talk to guests about things that aren't directly related to something they're actively promoting, you know, dive yeah, and I'll tell you what, uh, anyone who wants to ask a question, you know, and wherever, wherever they can, yeah, if I ever come back, I'd be more than happy to answer any and all questions. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. That's that's actually one of the things uh, we discussed privately behind the scenes was getting audience feedback for what did we miss, essentially. Like, we haven't sent any of this yeah, out yet, a lot. Probably, but like, what did we miss? Uh, what are some questions you think we should ask that isn't necessarily things that we missed, but like, oh, this is a something that this person might have a funny answer to or like whatever uh just doing stuff like that and, uh, and i know we could talk a lot about the stuff. the fears and insecurities of of being a creative yeah <laughs> yeah it, yeah but i, I think we should leave this one off on a happy tone yeah happy tone uh there's starvation all around the world doomsday is approaching anyway buy my book on amazon be distracted <laughs> Yeah. Be distracted from the horrors of the it's, world. It's funny and action-packed. It's like when you're trying to like give someone confidence, but you're going about it in the worst possible way. Yeah, you might suck at everything, man, but maybe this time it'll work out. Like, yeah, you've always screwed up every single time. It's never once worked out because you're just terrible. But this time, maybe this time it'll work out. It's like, this isn't giving me the confidence boost I was hoping it would. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah, the yeah. world's terrible. All the bigotry and hate in the world. Why don't you read a book with fantasy bigotry and hatred? <laughs> read oh, book. That's another. <laughs> that's another thing. Oh, there's because bigotry is a is a theme in the book. <laughs> that's actually 
one of one of my characters who's like the villain character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a bully. He's a half demon who's a bully against fairies because you know they hate each other for whatever reason. And the thing is, it's like, oh man, he he's so mean all the time. I have to do something, or am I, I'm either going to write him poorly or make it to where the audience can't stand him. And so I scene where the whole class stands up to him Adrian Priest, the half demon they stand up to him and say hey stop being such a bully <laughs> and they get him to to swear to his word because he's magic and so he's like he's bound by the promises he makes and he just promises to so I was like ah I've given myself an out I can keep him as an absolute dirt bag but now he's not going to keep bullying the tiny fairy girl who's just so sweet and kind and wants to be happy. I uh, I think I've got oh. the uh, the name for this this episode. Uh I I always just take topics and add them into the name. Uh even if it's like an obscure few second one. Yeah. Uh I, I think this episode is going to be World of Demi-Humans, Anime Influences and Fantasy Bigotry. <laughs> I think it's, I there is so there. much. Oh, yeah. There's anyway. a lot of. <laughs> anyway, before we go on another tangent about fantasy slash real world bigotry, <laughs> uh, thank thank you so much oh. for coming. I really do appreciate it. I had a, I had a great thank time you. chatting. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, thank you, and and thank you everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. Go check out all of his stuff using links below. Check out deadjustproductions.live. All of our links are on there. It's been uh, it's been a good one. So thank you guys for listening. We'll see you all next time.